You're listening to The Green Country, a fantasy storytelling podcast where each episode introduces a new character, creature, or facet of this fantastical land. These stories follow the course of Queen Alyssa's centennial tour of her kingdom. Every 100 years, the long-lived monarch travels throughout her overgrown forest realm, meeting its inhabitants and seeing its sights. Join me each week as we explore a new and fascinating aspect of this lush, expansive world. You can learn more at www.thegreen.country, and I invite you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Thanks for listening. Nightshade's Blessing Of blistered bells and scattered plans, A lady rides high above these lands. A bite, a scratch, a tooth, a nail, Of blighted crops or sudden hail. The milk's gone sour and flowers wilt. Yesterday's love has felt the jilt. Riding in her beauty dark, Born on wings as light as lark. Nightshade spoils all she sees, Though cruelty, malice, she knows not these. Her nature is the broken spoke, The fevered babe, the fallen oak. But give her thanks, and you might see your unlucky days, so turn carefree. It had been a very long day, and it was still only early afternoon. Alyssa called out to their coachman, Netcher, to halt for a moment. She needed a breath of fresh air. The carriage she and Durkey rode in was stiflingly hot, and as soon as it had come to a halt, she leapt out eager to escape its confines. Durkee followed after her, looking sweaty and deflated. They had closed the shutters to the coach earlier that morning to avoid the unrelenting assault of a startling variety of stinging and biting insects. Once the queen and her advisor were free of the stuffy coach, the bugs quickly resumed their aggressions and Alyssa wondered to herself if the land they passed through was the capital of horseflies in all of the green country. Netcher sat stoically atop the stagecoach, swathed in a mesh netting, his defense against the unending swarms. Most unfortunate were the two horses who drove the caravan. They had no recourse against the creatures, except to snort with exasperation and whip their tails. Elisa turned to look back along the dusty track from which they had come, and thought of her guards, Negwin and Gwarth. They had both stayed behind in Lavenberry to tend to their horses. Negwin's had been struck by a sudden blindness, which the local doctor had deemed a strange but temporary case of Nodder's Blink. Gwarth's horse had wandered into a patch of lance briars, the cruel barbed thorns of the plant had stuck to the poor creature's legs in such profusion 
the doctor said she would be up until the wee hours of the morning extricating them. And so the party was divided. If Elissa was to make her appointment with the merchant guildmaster of Highcrumb the following day, she needed to forge on without the protection of her escorts. Elissa was particularly nervous about her meeting with the guildmaster, a brittle, ancient man named Nissel. He was well respected in the western lands of the green country and held much sway over the trade that passed through that realm. There were a number of grand changes Elissa required his cooperation on, and she knew it would be hard won. Harder won still if she were to show up late. Behind her, Elissa heard Durkee yelp, curse, and then slap at the pest which had nipped him. Elissa set her jaw, summoning the determination to put a good many miles between themselves and the presently miserable spot they occupied. "'How are you doing up there, Netcher?' Elissa called up to the coachman. "'Could be worse, my queen,' he replied, though she could see he was stewing in his high seat, which bore little protection from the glaring sun. She rummaged through the coach and retrieved a full canteen, which she tossed up to Netcher. "'Best you keep your thirst at bay,' We don't want you to topple over. Much obliged, said Netcher thankfully, and he attempted a sip through the dense netting which covered his face. The insects seemed to have subsided for a moment, but turning to Durkee, she saw that they had all gravitated towards his perspiration-prone form. He flailed helplessly, failing to fend them off with every gyration. Back into the coach! We march on! cried Elissa. They would see this day through to the end, lest the wheels fall off their carriage, thought Elissa grimly, then spoke a word of luck, fearing this might actually happen. Before night had fallen, they reached their camp. A procession of unlucky happenings had befallen them. Netcher had run head first into a wasp's nest hanging down from a low tree branch. Luckily, he only sustained a few stings, owing to his marvelous netting. One of Durkee's teeth had inexplicably fallen out while he ate a soft, ripe peach. They had also startled a slumbering moss cat, who deigned to nap in the middle of the road. The creature had been so perturbed it set to hissing and yowling alarmingly, its great green furry tail puffed up to enormous size, before running off into the thicket. Despite the cat's diminutive size, its hissy fit had spooked one of the horses so badly, Netcher had to climb down and whisper soothing words to the beast. Worst of all, one of the leather straps securing their luggage had snapped. The chest holding their provisions had tumbled away unnoticed at some point during their voyage. It appeared they would be sharing the horse's oats for dinner that night. All were in a sour mood when they stopped for the evening, and they went through the motions of setting up camp in silence. Their normal salvation after a hard day's travel was a warm, sumptuous meal, and the prospect of plain, bland oatmeal was an insult to injury after their trials. But soon enough, they had a fire going, 
and the biting flies seemed to have called for a retreat. Durkey stirred a pot of steaming porridge, which smelled remarkably good in spite of its humble composition. They dined in silence, their hunger and weariness acting as a flavorful seasoning to the otherwise bland cereal. Elisa felt her tensions ease slightly. Perhaps their string of ill fortune had at last finished. Then there was the sound of a little plap, and then another, and soon several more. A fat raindrop plopped into Elisa's porridge, and she looked up slowly, meeting the sullen gazes of her traveling companions. Plop, 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 plop. Within moments, the scant drops had turned into a hard downpour, and the fire smoked and sizzled. Elisa leapt to her feet, clutching her bowl of oatmeal close. Dorky, grab the porridge! To the stagecoach! And so they beat a retreat to the musky confines of the carriage, where they arrived thoroughly damp, though not sodden. They were all too tired to complain or fret, and silently resumed their meal in the darkness. After several mouthfuls, Durkey set aside his bowl and began to root through his satchel. After a moment, he drew something forth and held it aloft in the dark. Something I learned long ago in my travels. Then he spoke a few words somewhat awkwardly, in a strange tongue, that Elisa recognized as that of the fox people. A reddish light flashed for a moment, illuminating Durkey's hand and face, and then died away. Let's try that again, he said, and then cleared his throat. He spoke those same unknown words once more, though this time with clarity and intention, and a bright glow bloomed within the item he held. It appeared to be the dried blossom of some large conical flower. A warm reddish light illuminated the interior of the carriage and sparked a small joy in them all. It's a firefoot blossom, and just about the only piece of sorcery I know how to work. I learned it years ago when I was touring the borderlands with a band of fox. Elissa smiled at this. She knew Durkey well, yet there always seemed plenty about the man that remained to be discovered. Rain continued to drum down on the top of the stagecoach, and a heavy crack of thunder rattled its axles. Every so often, lightning would illuminate the world around them into an exaggeration of whites and blacks. They were in a flat area, barren of trees. In Lavenberry, a shopkeep had explained that the land had been ravaged by forest fires several summers ago, and a once dense landscape had been thinned to the scant saplings that they had passed on their day's journey. Elisa looked out across this night landscape, taking in more detail with each flash of lightning. The transformations this land undergoes are so vast, she mused. In the silence and raindrops and thunder, she dwelled on this, feeling suddenly that her duties as a ruler and sovereign had pulled her far away from a land that she loved dearly. There was a time in her youth when she was well acquainted with the changes and moods of the landscape, and it struck her that she missed this dearly. 
her reverie was broken by a sudden flash of lightning. After the thundercrack died away, she spoke with urgency. Someone is coming. They're headed towards the coach. Durkee rocked forward, violently ejected from his slumbers. Netcher hurled open the door and leapt from the coach, hoping to spot the interloper who approached. From the dark swaddles of his pack, Durkee drew forth a small dagger, more of a penknife, in fact. He brandished the weapon in one hand and the glowing firefoot blossom in the other. Get behind me, Alyssa. I'll try to fend them off. She wasn't entirely convinced of Durkee's ability to defend against the unknown marauder, but all the same, she scooted behind him. From beneath the carriage echoed Netcher's shrill voice. They're getting close! Durkee was sweating, and he squinted out into the rainy night, trying fervently to spot the intruder. As soon as he could spy the vague shape of a man in the dim light of the firefoot blossom, Durkee roared with a fierceness that surprised Elissa. That's far enough! Hands up where I can see them! Step closer into the light! Though generally quite non-threatening in appearance, Durkee, who was presently covered in angry flybites, hair disheveled, looking somewhat unhinged, was fearsome in an unusual way. Apparently he had struck some fear into the heart of the stranger, who raised their hands and stepped meekly into the red glow cast by the firefoot. Elissa peered over Durkee's shoulder, blinking her eyes to confirm who she was seeing. Standing before her was the merchant guildmaster of Highcrum, rain patting down on his sodden gray hair. Guildmaster Nacelle? asked Elissa, still not believing her eyes. Elissa, is that you? Durkee still stared balefully at the moist merchant, dagger held aloft, and Elissa cuffed him on the shoulder, breaking him free from his momentary bloodlust. He quickly pocketed the small weapon and welcomed the man into the coach. Nacelle seemed greatly relieved to have found them when he did, and he was clearly shaken. He climbed aboard, taking a seat opposite Durkee and Alyssa. "'What amazing fortune, finding you out here!' he croaked, as he removed his dripping overshirt. Netcher appeared from below the carriage, gently startling the guildmaster. "'My apologies,' said Netcher politely, and sat down next to their visitor." How did you come to be racing across this desolate tract in the middle of the night, alone, on foot? The merchant guildmaster of Highcrum nodded gently and was silent for a moment as he tried to puzzle out an answer to Alyssa's question. He brushed a damp lock of ashy hair out of his eyes and replied, You might say I ran into an unlikely string of awful luck. He paused a moment, took a breath, and then launched into an explanation. His day topped even Alyssa and her companions in the depth and breadth of calamity. The last phase of his misfortune had involved all of the wheels inexplicably falling off their carriage. Then his coachman was stricken by a sudden panic, and he raced off into the woods. Finally, the uncanny appearance of a large number of large spiders drove Nacelle from his stagecoach. 
He punctuated his recountal with a sigh and sagged back into the cushions of the coach. The normally exacting guildmaster looked peaked and ragged, and Alyssa felt a bit of pity for the man, even if he was in some ways her rival. Would you like something to eat? she asked. I'm afraid all we have is some oatmeal. It may still be warm, at least. Nacelle perked up at this, for he was obviously famished. Why, that would be marvelous. Much obliged, my queen. Durkey prepared a bowl of porridge for the man and handed it to him. He set to feasting, though moments later he stopped, suddenly cursing and clutching his mouth. Bit my lip! Blast it all! Never has my luck been as sour as it is today. A small glimmer of an idea winked to life in Alyssa's mind, and she turned to Durkey. Have you got a copy of the Wisteria Almanac with you? I think I may know what's happening here. Durkey gave her what would have normally looked like a clever grin, though covered as he was in insect bites and illuminated with the scarlet light of the firefoot, he looked markedly sinister. I never travel without it, he replied, producing a small fat tome from his satchel. He handed it to Alyssa, and she immediately began to pore over the pages. She found the section she sought, and spoke softly to herself, as though working through some kind of computation. It's a year of the high moon, we're in the season of purple clover, but the solar disk is waning, so that would extend her realm of influence south, just past the Twin River. Elissa set down the book and regarded her present company. It's just as I suspected. We're under the influence of Nightshade of the Lost House, she who doth sway fortune's arrow with even the slightest breath. The queen had a look of satisfaction on her face, pleased at having unraveled the mystery of their collective misfortune. Guildmaster Nacelle had stopped eating for a moment, Elissa's declaration drawing his attention. The oatmeal seemed to have fortified his normally caustic demeanor, and he replied brusquely, The Wisteria Almanac. You must be kidding. That book is utter hokum, pure and simple. All this bad luck is just happenstance. Nacelle took a bite of cold oatmeal and continued his lacerations of Alyssa's hypothesis. I met Wisteria once years ago, before he went off into the forest. That flowery codger didn't impress me, not one bit. The old dreamer had his head buried so far in the clouds that he had mist on the brain. At that moment, Elissa's patience wore thin, and the savage bite of the merchant guildmaster's words moved her to abandon any remaining decorum or diplomacy. You're wrong, she said simply, and with a flash she ripped the bowl of oats away from Nacelle, who gasped. I'll show you. Elissa stepped out of the coach into the battering rain, which fell even harder now. Lightning cracked above, and a belch of thunder rolled through the dark sky. She lifted the half-eaten bowl of oats over her head in a grandiose display, and called out loudly, her voice rising above the gale. O oh, great nightshade, she who steers fortune's wheel, we have traveled in ignorance through the lands in your domain. We beg pardon for our neglectful ways, and offer you this small gift as tribute. 
We honor you, O wispy-winged empress, O resolver of fates. Then she set the oatmeal on the ground and climbed back into the coach, dripping wet. All Nightshade asks is a simple offering and a few scant words of respect. Nicelle rolled his eyes and then looked morosely at the bowl of porridge, which was filling up with rain. But then something strange happened. The drops which had thundered on the top of the carriage only moments before seemed to be slowing, and a breeze blew over the land, scattering the clouds so that moonlight began to shine through. Elissa gave the merchant guildmaster an expectant look, but he would not accept this as proof of Nightshade's appeasement. "'Someone's coming,' said Netcher calmly, gesturing out the window of the coach. In the new moonlight, they could see what appeared to be an elfin man approaching rapidly, carrying something large in his arms. The merchant guildmaster squinted out into the night and muttered under his breath, "'It can't be. That looks like Clevens. My God, it's him!' Nicelle leaned forward to wave out of the carriage, calling to this acquaintance, who had suddenly appeared. Soon the man arrived at the coach, and the company piled out of the conveyance, now that the weather had turned quite pleasant. Clevens was panting from the exertion of his recent dash, but seemed to be in strangely good spirits. In his arms, he clutched a large wooden chest, which Elissa immediately recognized. "'You've found our chest of provisions!' exclaimed Elissa, overjoyed. Clevens looked down at the wide case in his arms, and then back up at Alyssa. "'Oh, yes, I suppose I have. Glad that I've found its owner!' He set the box down and stretched it gently, and then caught the gaze of Nicelle, who looked at him intensely, his hard eyes imploring an explanation from his wayward servant. "'It was the strangest thing. There I was.' driving the merchant guildmaster here, when all of a sudden the wheels simply fell off the carriage. Then, out of nowhere comes this wee impish creature, flitting about as fast as can be on silvery wings. I can't say why, but that blasted sprite scared me senseless. Run off into the wood, I did. I didn't want to be nowhere near that creature. I'm running through the woods like a madman. I might as well have been blindfolded. And alls of the sudden I trip over this big box. I pick it up, thinking maybe someone misplaced it, perhaps. And so as I'm walking down the track, hoping to find old Nacelle, or the merchant guildmaster here, and I spies this red light twinkling on the horizon. So I started walking to it, and here we are. Clevens finished with a grin and a nod, his expression exuding a certainty and unflappable acceptance of this strange series of events. "'Very well, Clevens, it's, uh, good you found your way back,' said Nacelle, somewhat uncertainly. The unlikeliness of the events of the past few minutes had bewildered the merchant guildmaster and cast his stalwart skepticism into serious doubt. Durkey approached with Netcher, and the two of them hefted the chest of provisions. "'How about a nice hot meal for everyone?' asked Durkey. His instincts told him hot food shared beside a warm fire would smooth the strangeness that had pervaded the evening. 
Oh, I'm famished. Yes, thanks, replied Clevens, before anyone else could reply. Soon a fire was roaring, which was a small miracle in itself, as the firewood had been soaked in the downpour. Elissa and Nacelle had taken seats near the fire to languish in the glow and dry their still damp clothing. Durkey appeared with two glasses of fine ruby wine, which he handed to the queen and the merchant guildmaster. Something to warm your bones, he said kindly, and gave Elissa a smile. Thank you, Durkey. Elissa knew she could count on Durkey's discernment in her dealings with Nicelle, who was presently in a fragile state. The old man took a sip of the wine, his hand trembling slightly. Elissa saw the toil of the day's events had left him tired and tattered. He closed his eyes, savoring the fine drink. That hits the spot, he said and sighed. What a day it's been. I must admit it, Elissa. You were right. I'd always dismissed the tales of Nightshade and the ramblings of old Wisteria as hogwash. And if I may be candid, I held a similar opinion of the Lannan family. I always thought you folks seemed so lost in the past, holding on so tightly to silly traditions. He paused for a moment, and Alyssa allowed him the space to find his thoughts. She was taken aback at the man's openness. It was a side to the guildmaster she could not have fathomed. Then Nacelle met her gaze and smiled. Yet here we are, brought together by a whirlwind of uncanny misfortunes and their even more unlikely resolution. I raise my glass to you, Elissa, Queen of the Green Country. She raised her glass and met Nacelle's kind smile with her own. And to Nightshade, who brought about this strange yet fortuitous meeting. Nacelle laughed a wry laugh and echoed Alyssa's proclamation. To Nightshade! Durkey took this as his cue and approached bearing two steaming plates piled high with smoked venison, roasted potatoes, and stewed brambleberries. Only that morning she had hoped at most to sway Nacelle's demeanor to a lesser state of hostility. Yet presently she sat enjoying a fine meal with a new friend and ally. Elissa savored each delicious bite and silently thanked Nightshade once again. If you like what you just heard, be sure to visit www.thegreen.country for more great content, including beautiful illustrations, detailed character descriptions, and much more. The Green Country is also on Patreon, where a small monthly pledge will give you access to extra content, like an illustrated PDF of the story you just heard. Whether you back this project financially or simply share it with a friend, you can help this vibrant land continue to grow. Once more, that's www.thegreen.country. Thanks for listening!